Welcome to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast, where we look inside the mind of seven-figure entrepreneurs to see how they amplify their business and amplify their life. Let's welcome today's guest. Today's guest started his entrepreneurial career at his family's business, where he was the executive vice president and responsible for the strategic, operational, and financial strategy of a $21 million company. He has helped turn the company around and bring intentional focus to the right strategies, which enable the company to be sold for eight figures to a local competitor in 2014. Today's guest took his experience and founded Arcona to create the Intentional Growth Framework, which helps owners grow the value of their company with the end in mind through educational training, fractional CFO services, and strategic planning. Please give a very warm welcome to today's guest, Ryan Tansom. How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good, Paul. How are you, man? I am absolutely wonderful. Um, I just, you, you know, when you get on a call and and you get on a podcast with certain people you just feel like you do, you just get each other straight away i feel like we had that like in the first second i like it man yeah i'm excited to be on the other side of the uh, the quote-unquote table with you it's gonna be a lot of fun uh, yes certainly love it love it a lot now i i actually want to take a slightly different angle the way we start this episode too so typically we go straight into the meat and potatoes but i actually want to take a little bit of your backstory so you get to the point you you're you're running this business, uh, you and your dad are running this business, you're doing $21 million a year in revenue, and you're, you and your dad are running that day-to-day, and you're sitting in a bar one night, and you're like, do you know what, we're, we're not happy, we're not passionate about this anymore, and you make that decision, and you make a very crucial decision that night, so so what what happens next? So we were actually at Granite City, the bar, <laughs> we had that conversation, and it was a, my dad and I had obviously we're different ages and we have different investment uh, thresholds and risk thresholds and desires for what we want to do. And we couldn't reconcile how to take this business that we both share and then grow it and accomplish both of our goals financially and personally. And we just felt trapped. So we actually went back to the office and we said, okay, we're going to, we're going to sell the business and fast forward, sold it to a local competitor uh, about three months later. And and tell us about that. So when I was doing my research on you, the the thing that really got me was that point when you're actually in front of everyone and you said, hey, we're selling the business. What? Tell us about that moment. Um, You know, I had uh, a little one one sentence prior to that, Paul, is I I had helped turn the business around. So like out of the 115 employees that we had at one point, I had replaced about 60% of them. So like people underneath my vision, they were, they were coming there, you know, I tapped into my college network and family and friends network, you know, for these people. So it was truly people in that business were there for the vision that we had laid out for them. So high personal, you know, like identity tied to where we were going to be going. So when we called everybody into the office, so we had about 20 technicians in the field and probably 20 salespeople, Say, hey, by the way, come back to the office. Everybody knows what's going on, man. Like, you know, we don't have a company party plan, right? And so like the stomach ache that I feel right now, and if the listeners are feeling it too, if they've been through it, it's exactly what it was like. And when you sell to a competitor, you know, you're maximizing purchase price. It's not going through and say, hey, this could be a legacy business. I mean, it's more of like, let's sell this top dollar amount. What are the synergies? Cross everybody off that are synergies. And so at that point, we had to fire uh, about 60% of the employees. 
you know, na nature of the deal. It wasn't the buyer's fault. It was just kind of how the things are. And so it was just a very hard day, man. It was like, I just didn't realize there was more to this than the money. And there's other things that we should have been solving for or taking in consideration at all, at least, you know, at least putting that as part of the Benjamin Franklin pros cons. Yeah. And like I say, it really got me from an emotional perspective on that stuff as well. Cause you know, we, we've gone through some of that stuff and on a smaller scale, but like you, you build it, they almost, they're almost like family, right? So when, when, when you release people back into the wild, so to speak, um that there is an uh, certainly an emotional attachment to that now like take taking that a stage further and going go to where where you are right now talk talk to me about how, how do you get clear on what you want from a business in the long term and and why is it important to do that um there's this yogi bear quote and i'm going to totally butcher it, even though it's part of my keynotes but it's like if you don't know where you're going you're going to end up someplace else I mean, like, dude, where the hell are you going? Like, what are you, like, why are you doing this? I mean, I gave uh, two big presentations last week and very successful businesses, man. And they're like, they're like, wait a second. Someone got to raise his hand. He's like, Brian, all you're saying is because we went through valuations, valuation growth, different ways to sell the business, maximize purchase price, all these different things. And he just goes, so you're just saying, I just need to figure out what the hell I want and why I'm like, yeah. Cause like, how are we supposed to reverse engineer that? You know, a pilot is not going to take off in their plane with no destination. Like if you can't, if you don't know where you're going for the destination, how are you going to know the course correction that you're doing in the present moment, whether it's going to get you further away from your destination or closer. So it's just, it's so crazy, man. I just never would have thought like out of all the business strategies and tactics and scaling and funnels and all those things that like, figuring out what you want and why is probably the most crucial part because then you can actually build your plan. Yeah, and I, th I think uh, what one that resonates with me in the same kind of vein is that um, if you think of a ship and then uh, just uh, imagine you're only one, one degree off course, but if you keep going in that direction, eventually you're going to end up a completely different place than where you started. So, <laughs> 100%, man, 100%. And, and that, that's super, super awesome, awesome stuff. So... Talking about like the the funnel side of things, right, and and how your business works now. T tell me a little bit about because what one thing that I noticed that was different from quite a lot of people out there is you were very transparent about your pricing, right? There's no like things hidden behind things, and I, I'm sure you've got some back end stuff that's going on as well. But you've got very much a hey, here's a DIY, here's a done with you, here's a done for you. Um, t tell me a little bit about like how how you're going to acquire new customers and bring them into your world. Yeah, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey, man. Because and and I'll I'll just give the a, a wrapper that so we have a training business that you were just referring to, which is uh the virtual training. It was a physical boot camp before COVID. Now we digitized it for obvious reasons, and then we've got a fractional CFO business where it's just an hourly rate, and people go in there and help people uh help them run their company from the financial leadership perspective. And it is very clear and transparent because back when I ran the business, first of all, I was in the copier and IT business. Like no one has any idea what is priced and why it's priced and where the commissions are and how, who is essentially getting the, the short end of the, the, the deal here. But you know, for, for myself, Paul, like when we were going through and I was building Arcona and I went through five years, man, of messing up like messaging and like how, what's my framework. So we came up with these five principles. So I get very clear in the training curriculum. And then we actually had the, the training curriculum called growth and exit planning. And what's very fascinating to me, man, I went for it and I'll get back to the funnel and how we actually tie the funnel to the financials to valuation growth, because every company should be doing that. And that's why I love what you're doing. Hmm. The messaging was the first thing. 
if you don't have the messaging right, the people that are your ideal clients are not going to listen. Yeah. <laughs> and so I found out, Paul, like as I was going through this, that people that want to exit usually have a turd of a business. They have headaches and they want to get a lot of money for this turd. And they just like think it's just an obvious reason why someone would want to pay a lot of money. And I'm obviously generalizing here. It's not always the case. But people that want to exit don't usually have the passion, energy, or capital to grow value over a next couple of years because they're already burnt out. And so we would attract people that weren't willing to do the hard work and weren't, they essentially wanted a, a pill to fix all their problems. And then the people that have the energy, have the passion, can do the things that they should be doing right today, we were, were not resonating with our messaging because they're like, I don't want to exit. And I'm like, you need to build, build value with the end in mind so you can have more choices. We rebranded as intentional growth two years ago and the business skyrocketed. <laughs> It's just like, I didn't change the curriculum, didn't change anything, literally just changed the title of the program and just fascinating. So then to take it a step further, then once the messaging works, then it's understanding, you know, the customer journey and we'll understand where people are. I, I spent years and tens and tens of thousands of dollars, Paul, on, you know, webinar master with Lewis Howes or Ezra Firestone's like Facebook course and all this stuff. And, I, and then after like all of that, I was like, People don't one click buy what I do. It's no. just like this, this like wham, I was like I ran into a wall. So really it was like, hey, we're professional services. We've productized our, our professional services through training and other things. And by productizing it, I can then be very clear on what they get, what their expectations are, because in professional services, like everything else, but more so trust is huge. So they need to trust, they need to get and build this relationship via podcasting videos, then say, oh, and what you're saying is right here. And it's consistent with what you told me. Consistency builds trust. So then they get to the website to your point, and then they see what they heard in various places that I was already talking. So what, what's interesting is, so what, what you're saying there is, hey, a lot of people are finding your page, not necessarily from search for the first time. They're actually hunting out your website because they've already heard you somewhere else, whether that be on another podcast or speaking or wherever the thing is. Is that right? Absolutely. And our fly was, we built the strategic growth plan for our company. We, we helped some of the people do that as well. And it's really just take, so our flywheel is create highly valuable, timely, relevant, free content that leads to paid training that leads to CFO services where we learn about businesses because we're in the thick of it with them that allows us to understand what their problems are. So we can create highly timely, valuable, free content that builds trust to lead the paid training. So it, it's this flywheel that continues to go. And then the question that kind of gets into your vein of your audience and what you're doing is what are the ways to deploy the highly valuable, timely, free content in an effective manner that's priced, priced accordingly. So I can continue making the margins on that entire flywheel. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for, firstly, the piece about the, the content piece, right? Are you compounding that every month and going, Hey, I'm just gonna say, for example, on us, we only record podcasts on a, like, this kind of throws off the evergreen side of it but we only record podcasts on a thursday now like i used to do tuesday and a thursday and then i just went right i'm just going to do thursday only because mm -hmm. it compounded that time together what what about yourself like how do you create that content so i actually start in, in a little bit of uh interesting and again this might be very obvious for you and your listeners but you know i grew up in a copier sales environment, man. I like, I was 19 years old, knocking on doors, selling copiers. Like I grew up in the sales and marketing world, more on sales than marketing and marketing has obviously changed dramatically since I started doing that, you know, 15 plus years ago. But the, the challenge is, is it's still human to human interaction. And when I read this beta, uh, it was a, it was a B2B or it was B2B versus B2C 
Uh, it was a Backlinko article, Paul. Mm. And it was, I'm like, holy crap. It was just hit, like, that was the wall that hit me in the face. I was like, I've been trying to do all this sales and marketing strategies like a B2C and I'm B2B, which is build the trust and mm. be very transparent and clear about your, your, uh, your pricing and how you engage. And so that really helped me understand how to approach the flywheel. And so what I realized and is I take, so we have our weekly podcast each week. And it's pillar content. Now it's on YouTube. So it's now a show, not just a podcast, probably similar things that you've been doing, right? The show notes, we've got all the different ways where that's the pillar content, but I laid out this calendar year for content. So we do podcasts once a, once a week. We have, uh, we have a quarterly physical event once a quarter with different partners and sponsors. We have virtual workshops. We've got different webinars. So it's all free things that are highly valuable. So when I'm out doing keynotes or I'm on podcasts like this, people have a way to engage without committing. So then they go and we want to see what are people consuming and how are they consuming it how, so we can bring them through the funnel, essentially the funnel of trust, but it's not the one click, right? So it's, we're looking for engagement and building real relationships. And yep. so the pillar content and the annual calendar year is where we do it. And then it's like the micro distributions and the micro content from the pillar content that we're, we're creating. Yeah, and some, something as well that I've seen uh, some people do really well is is then having a slightly different link for each one of those pillar pieces of content that are going out because then you can go and track back all the all the data, right? So at the end. Yeah, and uh, if, if you want, I can actually speak to what we just launched, Paul, on this is on this topic because I I will this you know for years if I would have had the information and the data about what was working and not working, I would have been able to make better decisions, and so. What we did, what we did, uh, it was quarter four last year. I hired this, I call her analytic alley. This, this gal is the rock star Google analytics and Google data studio. And so what she did is she went through our website, which is like 400 and some pages. I went through and did the whole assessment, but what she did is she created this dashboard so I can see the pillar content. So like podcasting or like the YouTubes, or we've got this assessment and like, where are people coming from? What are they doing? And where are they going? So like we've got all the UTM parameters for guest podcasting versus if I do a Vistage keynote or an EO keynote, or if I, you know, so the various forms of distribution of me essentially speaking, then what, how do people, you know, how do we increase brand awareness, increase emails and increase the pipeline, but we can, we now have the data to be able to say, okay, what are people engaging with? Oh, these topics are really important. So let's create another podcast around that, or let's create a panel with four people so we can get into four people's networks with that topic. So it's more, way more intentional. I, I, I love that. I, and then you, you mentioned as well about like quarterly events and stuff like that. Is Are you like, is one of your main sources leveraging strategic partners as well and going, hey, we'll will mail to our list and do an event on that side and then you do the same the other way around and then bring people into your world. Yeah, that's a wonderful question, man. I, uh, so, and I, I if we, <laughs> I could almost pull up our Google sheet of all the content strategy, but so it, it almost goes from like the more frequent to then the, the less frequent and then the less frequent to the qu four quarterly events. We say, okay, we're going to have four events in the, so I'm in Minnesota, so in the twin cities and we got partners in other, uh, other cities, but in the twin cities marketplace, we found three other partners. One's a CEO peer group. One is a regional bank and one is a, um, um, a, they've got like a content community. And so we partnered together, all four of us, 
on the four events and we, and each person gets 25 slots. Essentially, we know there's a little bit of flexibility. Some person's, you know, killing it as far as butts and seats and some people aren't, but now we're able to cross pollinate all of our online communities, the contacts help each other, you know, build, we're expediting trust with each other. And it took me, Paul, probably three or four years to feel confident that these are people that I'm okay putting my brand next to. That was the key part because the theory and the concept of this partnership with events is very obvious, but like, man, if you're in a professional services organization or, or a content business, you put yourself next to someone that's got a bad rep. I mean, it's hard to dig out of that hole. So how come it took the three to four years? What, what, well, firstly, what changed? And then secondly, how, how can you speed that up? So you, if, if you're going, hey, this is part of my funnel process, how can you start doing that this week? Um, I think it was unique to my business and situation, Paul, because I have been part of an industry that's essentially maturing. So it started with value growth and exit planning, which what the heck does those, those things mean? And no one knows. And I think it's a bunch of BS. And that was the problem. So we actually had to productize our own training. So I had to go through the productization and then getting other partners to understand what we're doing and that we're not competitors. And we had to kind of like essentially sniff each other out saying, okay, are you a competitor? Are you not a competitor? Are we okay? You know, and with these partners, they needed to be comfortable with our content and our services approach. So then they got to experience it. They went through some, uh, some of our training. So it was really a comfort level, you know, way different if you got a SaaS platform or if you're an e-commerce company or something like that, it's really just making sure that the affiliate relationship or whatever it is that the quality of the control to your point, how fast can you accelerate that comfort level and maybe having a standard operating procedure saying, okay, Paul sells this. How fast can we get comfortable that he's a legit person and they're a legit company? That's really what you're trying to do. Make, yeah, certainly makes a lot, a lot, a lot of sense. Now let's talk a little bit as well about enterprise value. So um, for firstly, for people who are listening, who don't know what enterprise value is, what is it? And then secondly, um, like how, how do you go ahead and increase that in the business? So the business is certainly valued it more. And then when it comes to exit, if you want to do that one day, then mm -hmm. uh, you can actually do that in the best possible way. You bet. And I'll, uh, I'll even try to tie in how the funnel impacts enterprise value. So the, and you brought up a great point here is this doesn't have to be confusing, Paul. Like one of my favorite things to do in the world is to just take the complex and make it simple, like frameworks, how to think about this stuff. Cause you're not going to be a financial engineer, but so you have like, how do we think about this is the first step. So to hopefully make this a little bit easier for people, there's three words that you should be focused on enterprise value, equity value, and net proceeds. And if you're not watching me, I'm going like enterprise value is the top. And then the middle is the equity value. And then there's net proceeds because if you, I'm going to compare it to a house. So Paul, if my house is worth a half a million bucks, and on Zillow or a realtor, like you say, okay, well, that's the purchase price. That's the enterprise value as it relates to a business. Well, if I've got a $400,000 loan on it, my equity value is hundred grand. Businesses are the same thing. If you've got debt, you're working capital, line, you know, line of credit, you know, you got inventory, whatever it is, that's money you owe someone else. So like there's an equity value of there that's more important than the enterprise value. Because I mean, if you're at a country club or at wherever, whatever, at the bar or pub and someone says, oh, I sold my company for $40 million. What they didn't tell you maybe is I've got 14 partners. I had VC money and I had a buttload of debt. And so I walked away with 10 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't tell you that. They told you I sold my company for $40 million. 
And so that equity value gets to like, truly what is your equity value, but you still have to pay taxes on that, man. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like, okay, yes, your equity value might be hundred grand, but what are the tax implications of that? So the goal is to focus on those net proceeds while you own the business. Cause then at any point, Paul, if I said, I want to buy your company, you're going to go, what's the enterprise value? You run some basic calculations. And you're going to say, well, I'm only going to walk away with hundred grand. It's not worth even having a discussion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then the same thing as well with uh, like if there's a five-year owner or whatever. on it. Oh, yeah. And so we were just talking about price. Yeah. Then there's terms. I did a podcast years ago. It says, it said um, you name the price. I'll tell you the terms because the terms are sometimes more important. Because if I if I wanted to buy your company for ha- for 5 million bucks, but it was at a 1% coupon rate over a hundred years, <laughs> yeah. you go like, no thanks. So it's, it's really the, the terms that you, know, you mentioned earn out, there's promissory notes, there's you know rolled equity, there's all these different ways that the deal can be structured to get you that 5 million bucks, which the buyers usually, I mean, if you're a good buyer or if, you, if there's a sophisticated buyer, they're very good at pushing the risk back on the person that's selling. If you don't, if the seller doesn't know what's going on. Um, but I want to go, because just to answer a couple of your other questions, how do you increase the value of the business? Mm-hmm. This is a huge, this is the biggest takeaway. If people listen, the more sustainable and predictable and transferable your cash flow, the more your company's worth, period. It, it, it just, I'll say it again the more sustainable, predictable, and transferable your cash flow is the higher the enterprise value and the higher the multiple is that you're going to get. And so then you, people go, well, how do you do that? There's a lot of different systems out. You got John Warlow's value builder system. There's something called the value opportunity profile, something called core value. I don't really care what it is, man. It's just about how do you think about your business as a machine that kicks off cash. And if I said, Paul, I want to buy, I want you to buy my business. And I'm, I'm for the listeners, I'm handing over a baton to you. And the baton is the cash flow. How easy is that? I don't know. How well, how, how awesome is your team? Do you have standard procedures? How well is the data to prove that the funnel that you've built is working predictably, sustainably, and transferably? And so it's really like anything that you could think of to make it easier to hand off that cash flow will de-risk that business and therefore increase the enterprise value of the business. That and what what I'm seeing a lot more of as well is a lot more SaaS companies are being valued like so highly right now and like um, well massively overvalued in some some respects because they've got that recurring cash flow even if they even if they are you know actually in the negative significantly right now well and yeah and that it is a is a hairy topic and i'll try and like do the fifty thousand foot flyby on this but like there's so much money sitting in venture capital and private equity coffers right now and no one can get any returns because treasuries are worthless. And you know, you think about bonds or any of that stuff. So the amount of money, it's trillions of dollars that are chasing returns anywhere. So like commercial real estate is way inflated right now. Residential real estate is way inflated right now. Businesses are way inflated. I'm watching prices, Paul, of people get numbers for their business. I'm like, there's zero chance I would ever pay that for that business, but it's a client of mine. I'm like, you go, you go get that money. But like, yeah, yeah. so in, in there's this concept that I want to introduce to hopefully even make these valuation topics easier for people, Paul, is that I'm going to break these, these methods into two buckets. One is what we call intrinsic financial value. And the other one is what we call transaction strategic value. Mm-hmm. So what I just said by the more sustainable, predictable and transferable your cash flow is, 
then the, that's a financial valuation. Someone's saying, okay, Paul, you're, let's say you're doing a million dollars in EBITDA or cash flow. What's the risk that it's going to be there at the end of the year and next year and the year after that? Well, I'm going to apply a certain percentage risk factor on that, which is where the, where the multiple comes from based on the risk of the cash flow. It's the same way that bonds are, are calculated, the private equity or the, the equity market, the public equity markets, and also commercial real estate, you name it. That's how people get to it. It's like the cap rate in real estate. But the, 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 it starts at that financial value. But then the other way is the transaction strategic value. And people say, well, my company is only worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Yes, there's some truth to that, but it's a BS way to think because that gives people the excuse to put the head in their sand, head in the sand and not think about this until they're ready and they're usually disappointed. You can focus on growing financial value and then the strategic value, I'm gonna give you two examples. One is there's the buyer. So the transaction strategic value, there's a buyer and a seller and then we call the purpose of the deal, which is just human emotion, man. Like if you wanted to buy my business, you're bringing all of your humanness to meet to the deal why you want to buy it, the synergies or whatever you are, your desires are, it starts at the financial valuation, but you put an emotional premium on it or a strategic premium on it. Mm. There's families that I have worked with where the parents don't need the money. They gifted the company to the kids via estate planning, but it started at the financial value and then they discounted it. So it's a real live mathematical equation based on the risk of the cash flow. It's just like, what is, who were the buyers and sellers and what was going on behind the scenes that yielded to that premium goes back to the aggregators right now, man. Like they have a reason because they've raised this money and they have to pack man up the entire industry to get the returns. So they're okay paying a premium because of what they need to do for their investors. I, so from from what I'm hearing there as well, there, there's also the opportunity, like you say, with the, the whole Pac-Man, I like that, the Pac-Man analogy, where it's just essentially going around eating up all the competition because they're looking at it and going, that's the only way we can add value to our business is basically, um, I think it was Tony Robbins that always uh, said there's two ways to build the tallest building in the city. Number one is you build the tallest building. Number two, you blow up all the other buildings and knock them down. Yeah, I've not heard that that, that, that uh, phrase from him, but I love it. And like, you know, it, yeah, you're right. And what's also interesting, Paul, when you really pull the thread behind all the curtains, which is one of my passions, man, is like, I just like, what's the story behind the story? Because that's where the actual story is. And these people, aggregators, private equity firms, whatever, are raising money with an investment thesis that says, like Paul and I, Ryan and Paul are going to start this, you know, fund and we're going to roll up agencies. I mean, how many times you heard that? And it's like, oh, that's a great thesis. You have to actually do it and then provide the investors with a 21% rate of return. Like you promised in the investment thesis, it's your fiduciary obligation. So that's their mandate, period, end of story. In the fund, there's a date that they have to sell everything by to give the return back to their investors. So they're chasing this return that they need to because they promised their investors, which might be the Chicago Police Department or Allianz Pension Fund or Allianz you know, Fund. It doesn't really matter, but they raised the money with a promise to get a return. And if they don't buy stuff and do what we just we talked about, they're not going to get the return. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's kind of creating this this uh, scarcity mindset essentially that's that, that's going on i mean that yeah the, the value of our house went through the roof over that we, we've just <laughs> just just going through the sale process at the moment and it's, it's gone up like 80 percent in eight years 
Isn't that crazy? It's just, yeah, and that's why it's happening across the board. I mean, we could have a whole other conversation about that, <laughs> uh, 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 about that stuff. But um, what one of the things as well that we ask everyone who comes on the show, Ryan, is what do you want to be remembered for when you die? I love that question, man. Um, I want to make an impact by helping other people take more control by it's education, man. I really have a passion about education. And I think the impact that I can make is how to help other people learn better and more effectively. And then, cause education is truly exponential and that continues even when you're gone. Oh, beautiful. I, lo- I love it. Now, what is one quick win that people can use to amplify the business today? If you're scaling your business, understanding your client acquisition costs and the lifetime value of that customer and making sure that you're spending the right amount of money to acquire that customer that yields the gross profit, goes to net income, goes to the EBITDA, goes to the value. So tie your funnel and the costs of acquiring that customer and the profitability of that customer to your EBITDA. And man, you got a straight line from the funnel to the valuation of the business. And it's it's noble information, man. Like it's not some big black dark secret. <laughs> it's possible to, so everybody can figure that out. 100% absolutely massive fan of uh, looking at LTV. Um, I'm sure we we can have some several conversations to geek out on that stuff. So uh, that's fantastic. Now, R- Ryan, you've been an awesome guest being on the show. What seven figure plus entrepreneur would you nominate to be on the show next? I had this guy, Mark Lachance, on my show recently. And I don't know if you've stumbled across him. He, he wrote a book called The Lucky Formula. He scaled his agency from zero people to 320 people in the last like 36 months or something like that, dude. Wow. Like insane he's the largest tiktok ad buyer in the world i think so i think he should be on your show because he's got one heck of a story man yeah he's uh and he he went from like like ruin he had some real tough challenges and so he pulled himself out of that and um and then has built quite an empire yeah yeah i mean uh, how that guy's even got time to go on a podcast if he's growing, <laughs> growing that fast way um but d- definitely that would be absolutely amazing now ryan fi- finally where can people hear more about you and uh, what you do everything's on our website as i said we just built the entire funnel to lead people to the website but it's arcona.io we've got uh videos on there about the training the podcast and all the episodes around there we've got a financial assessment too, if people want to go through it, where they can go through and understand how to actually connect the dots for some of the things that we were talking about. So yeah, you can check out Arcona on, um, on the amplify to seven figures.com. Um, and you'll check it in the show notes on there. Ryan, it has been a absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Paul, thank you so much, man. This has been a lot of fun. Fantastic. You have been listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast with me, Paul Ace, and my amazing guest, Ryan Tansom. Remember, amplify your business and amplify your life. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Amplify to Seven Figures podcast. To access the show notes, episodes, and this month's giveaway, head over to www.amplifytosevenfigures.com. Remember, amplify your business, amplify Amplify your your life.